0: All right, kids, you can head back to junior worship now. Hopefully we have all of the heating issues fixed back there now so that we won't have to have you go to different places because it's too cold. So um, we're, hopefully we've got all that fixed. So kids, you can head back there. We also have activity bags that are on, out the door there on my, on my left. I would like to live in a place where there are no bugs. That sounds cool to me. That sounds cool to me. Not necessarily a big fan of lizards, but, um, you know, anyway, I don't know. I wonder if they sell lizard spray, lizard repellent. Probably not. So, anyway. I don't know. They've never invited me to go along to their trip to Malaysia, you know? So, anyway. Today, (laughs) we are continuing in our series, I just absolutely love what I do. I love getting up here and talking to you all and getting an opportunity to minister to you all and with you all. So, um, I don't know, I'm just feeling a little giddy. Maybe it's I turned 55 today. You know, I'm feeling a little, you know, what do I got to lose, right? I'm already, I'm I'm on the senior menu at Perkins, I heard. so right i 'm on the senior menu at Perkins, so i 'm going to Perkins today to order everything on the senior menu to celebrate my uh, my fifty fifth birthday and having the whole the whole thing so and it 's chrissy 's birthday today too. yep, she and I share a birthday though I am way older than she is, okay way, way older than she is so um, today we 're continuing our series of Matthew, and so we would love for you to ride along on this series and read a couple of chapters each week. So the chapters for this week were chapters 3 and 4 in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in this series into Easter, through Easter, with one break in there for our spiritual life services coming up in March, which you'll see an announcement about that a little bit later. I'm very excited about those, I hope you will be as well. So today we're going to look at, at chapters 3 and And uh, and four. So, just a little bit of synopsis in in chapter three. We're introduced to John the Baptist. Right, his ministry comes up, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He begins his ministry with these words: "Repent." For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so John was baptism of repentance. And then in chapter 4, we have the temptation of Jesus, which we'll spend time on today. And then also in chapter 4, we have sort of Jesus' public ministry, right? So he sort of begins his public ministry recorded for us in Matthew chapter 4. And interestingly enough, he begins that ministry, at least the way that Matthew characterizes it, with the same words from John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I think there's a real connection there. And uh, then Jesus also calls his his disciples. But today we're going to focus on the idea of temptation and looking at the temptations in Matthew chapter 4. And I want to get a couple of things sort of out of the way or just a couple of general comments before we actually read the scripture. And the first one is that I believe that Jesus could not have sinned in the temptations. Now there, there has been debate for 2,000 years almost, as to whether or not when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, could he actually have sinned? And we had a great discussion at this at our men's breakfast on um, on Saturday, we a bunch of men meet at Sam Byler's house on the first and third Saturday of every month. So if that's not something that you have in your schedule, we invite you to come in. It always seems like there's enough food. It always just sort of works out. So you just come on. And we had this great, great discussion. And I think I was kind of in the minority in the, in the group. I think most people felt like Jesus could have sinned in those temptations. But that's okay, because they're wrong about some other things too. So it's not a big deal. Um, but, but I, I feel like as Jesus is being led into the spirit, led by the spirit into the wilderness, that it wasn't really to sort of prove that Jesus was the Messiah or to prove that he could resist the temptation, but actually to demonstrate to us and perhaps even to Satan that Jesus was the Messiah. And so it's always hard to understand how Jesus is 100% man and 100% God, because we don't add the percentages up like that. And so, you know, if, could he be 100% man and not have yielded? be able to yield to temptations, but yet how can he be 100% God and sin? Because God doesn't sin. So it's an interesting question. If you want to read about that today, you can Google, could Jesus have sinned? And there will be all kinds of articles all over the internet that you could read and follow along with that. That's really not what we're going to talk about today, however. Second point is that Jesus faced the full weight of Satan's temptation without sinning. I think this is really important. In the writer of of Hebrews in chapter 4, says this, we do not have a high priest, and when he says the word high priest, he's talking about Jesus, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So what does that mean? Well, that means that Jesus faced the full weight of temptation that you or I will face. There is no opportunity for us to go to the Lord in prayer and say, oh, this is a temptation that I'm facing, and we hear back some answer, probably not an audible voice, but we hear back an answer, whoa, Hadn't seen that one before. That's a new one. Don't know what to do. No, that's not the case. So then we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus faced the full weight of Satan's temptations and resisted all of them and so knows exactly where we are, knows exactly what we need, was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. And then I think that means that these temptations are the best that Satan had to offer. I mean, he threw, he pulled out the big guns, right? He threw everything at Jesus that he had. Now, I don't think that this is necessarily the only time that Jesus was tempted, but this is the greatest detail that we have. And I think as we look at these temptations that Jesus suffered or faced with Satan, we will see some similarities in the temptations that you and I face And I think some of us, unfortunately, we fall to those temptations from time to time, but maybe today we can learn a new strategy or maybe get a new perspective on on the ability to defeat those temptations and live a more victorious life. Now, one more thought. The next slide says that Satan tempts you for your destruction and God tests you for your construction. I think this is really, really important. Most of the time in the New Testament, when we read the word test or we read the word tempt, it is usually the same word. So the Greek word is sort of neutral in its meaning and it's up to the context to determine how it is that um, we are to understand it. So when you read about Satan, Satan isn't interested in your construction, right? He's not interested in building you up. He's not interested in your edification. He wants to destroy you. He wants to tear you down. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But God doesn't tempt you to do evil. Rather, God does test us. And so throughout all the Old and New Testament, we see The truth of that. So God tests you for your construction. God wants you to be built up and to be strengthened by the tests that you and I endure. Satan, on the other hand, wants to tempt you to destroy you. So let's look at Matthew chapter 4 in this passage as we talk about the temptations. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. To which I parenthetically add, duh, right? Okay? Anyone fasted for 40 days here? No, I didn't think so. Not too many people have done that. Some people have done it and have written some really interesting books about it. I recommend the book by Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, who did fast for 40 days, and uh, recommend that book to you um, as as a way of... of, um, I don't know that it will motivate you to do the same thing, but uh, as a way of uh, seeing what God's activity was in there. Now, when the tempter came to him, so this is Satan, when Satan came to him, he said, hey, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. We can kind of understand that temptation. But he, Jesus, answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus doesn't take the bait, strike one. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Some Bible scholars say that that could have been as much as 450 feet high from the top of the temple mount down to the valley below. So think about a 45-story building. And he said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. So Satan is actually now quoting from the Psalms. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So the temptation here is, hey, Jesus, jump off the mount. God's not going to let anything happen to you. The Father's not going to let anything happen to you. So he'll send a bunch of angels to sort of catch you and think of the coolness that that would look like and the you know, the videotape that we'd have of that. It would be wonderful. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So strike two. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I can't even imagine what that looks like. Can you imagine that? All the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus, just fall down and worship me. Everything this world has to offer belongs to you. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then we read that the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. My guess is brought him some food and not liver. All right? So, what do we think about these temptations? How do, they, how do they resonate with us? Are there, are there things that we can learn from here that we can apply to our own lives as we face temptation on a daily basis, right? I mean, I don't know that there's a day goes by that we don't face temptation. So, so what does that look like? How do, we, how do we use what Jesus said? I mean, there's the main principle that he quotes scripture, right? So we ought to know the word, right? The word of God speak, and that is so incredibly important, so many times in temptation, when you and I face temptation, what we need to know is what does God say about that? What does the Bible say about that? How does it, how does it comfort us? Like, you know, for example, you know, if you're someone that's just kind of prone to worry, like you're just stuck and just worry is something that you're regularly doing. I would hope maybe that if you haven't gotten this verse memorized, that you would, you would memorize Philippians 4, right? 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Right? Don't worry, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like, those words are given to you and me to use, right? right? When, when, when the time is really tough and, the, and it's just a mess, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But those words don't come to our mind if we don't know them, right? If we've not immersed ourselves into it. That's why we should read the Bible, right? So that God can bring those things to our mind, and so we need them. So that's how Jesus defeats all of these, but let's just dive into it a little bit more. So temptation number one is turn the stones into bread. Now, on the surface, that doesn't necessarily sound like such a bad idea, Right? And, and Jesus, we know, takes five loaves and two fish and multiplies those into enough food to feed thousands of people. So the very, just sort of on, on the surface of it, the idea of just simply turning stones into bread doesn't really sound necessarily like it would be um, a wrong thing to do. But what does Jesus say in response to that? Jesus says it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if I could summarize this temptation a little bit and think about how it may apply to me, I would say that Jesus here would have been providing for his needs outside of God's plan. We read that that the angels came and ministered to him. That was the plan of the Father to provide for Jesus, to provide food for him as he comes out of this 40-day fast. But turning the stones into bread would have been taking matters into his own hands and doing something other than what the Father wanted him to do. Now, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament, sort of a, a summary, a second law, Deuterobe Deutero being second and non I mean law, so second law, and it's a rehashing of some of the things that happened with the Israelites. Some new material in there, too, but a lot of rehashing. And so Moses is reviewing for the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 8 this thing called manna. Right? So If you remember, manna was a bread-like substance that God provided to the Israelites while they were marching through the desert, right? Marching through the wilderness for the 40 years. They didn't have time to plant crops and things like that as they're moving along, and dominoes didn't exist yet. So they needed food, and so God provided them this thing called manna. But do you remember some of the things about manna? Manna came every day except the Sabbath day, and you were only supposed to gather, what, one day's worth of manna. Right? So you weren't supposed to get two or three days' worth and stick it in the fridge because it would spoil. And you couldn't go out on the Sabbath. There was no manna provided on the Sabbath day, so God provided a double portion on the day before. But look at what Moses says about manna. It wasn't just simply about eating. It was, there was something more. So this is Deuteronomy 8.3, the part of Scripture that Jesus is quoting. Moses writes, so he, meaning God, humbled you. Oh. Humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that's the part that Jesus quotes. But it comes after Moses saying he humbled you. allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna with which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. So what was another part of the reason for the manna? It was so that they would depend on God. So that they would learn to trust in God. So that they would learn that God would provide for their needs. How much temptation comes to us in a way that tempts us to get out in front of God, out in front of his provision for us, to to do something that brings into our lives something that God may not really want in our lives or that he may just want for us but may want it later. So we just turn the stones into bread because that's what we want. We want it now. We don't Teach ourselves, or let that teach ourselves to be humble before God and to trust in Him to provide. Instead, we just make, take matters into our own hands. Hey, there's some stones. Make them bread. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Right? right? Moving outside of what God has in plans. Because I want it. I can only imagine not having eaten for 40 days. I would want bread. I would want to eat. But God had a plan. The angels were going to come and minister. It wasn't for Jesus to turn stones into bread. How many times have I run ahead of God? Have I decided that, you know what, God, I'm not interested in waiting for you anymore to come through in the way that you want to do it? I'll just take care of this one. You can sit it out. Man does not live by bread alone, it's not just about having that need provided. It's having it provided God's way. What's the second temptation? The second temptation is to jump off of the temple mount. So temptation number two, Jesus jumps and God saves. He's not going to let your foot dash against a stone. So by jumping, you will put God in a position, put the Father in a position where he will have to figure out a way to save your life. And Jesus simply answers, you should not tempt the Lord your god which is another quotation from deuteronomy chapter 6 jesus i think here would have been taking god's activity for granted well of course he's going to save my life so i'm just going to jump off and force his hand force his hand i wonder if we've ever done that have we ever tried to force god's hand into doing something. There was no reason to jump off of the thing except just to make a show. Have God do something that God doesn't necessarily need or want to do. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses is warning the people not to take God for granted. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. And Massa is the place where they complained about not having water. In fact, it's the next chapter right after the manna part. In Exodus chapter 15, we read about the manna. Then in Exodus chapter 16, we read about the fact that there is no water. And so forgetting the fact that God has provided for them the bread and he'll figure out a way to give them water, he's not going to let them starve. They just move on in their own way and complain. And so God does provide for them, but there is a complaining there. Temptation number three is simply Jesus worshiping Satan. And Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. From Deuteronomy 6.13, which says, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take others in his name. Jesus would have then gotten his kingdom his way and would have become a Burger King. Okay. <laughs> Have it your way, have it your way. Okay, sorry. What what is common about these temptations? What is common about most of the temptations that we face? I think for most of us, they boil down to selfishness and pride. Right? We are tempted because we want the things that we want, and we want them when we want them. We're unwilling not to have them, because we want them. And we're unwilling to wait, because we want them now. If you're, we talked a couple of weeks ago at the end of December about this concept of the idea of patterns of sin. Where we find ourselves in the same pattern over and over and over again. I mean, the statistics are so clear about this in terms of sexual sin, especially as it relates to men. Right? What is that? What is, what is the allure of something like pornography? It's because men want something now. Maybe it's something that they're not receiving and they want it now. And so they look outside of God's plan for it. What about when we tell a lie? We, we don't, normally lie just for the fun of it we lie because we think it's going to get us out of some kind of consequence did you eat the cookies i didn't eat the cookies because if i tell you i ate the cookies i'm going to get punished so i just lie because it this is what i want i want to avoid something that's coming down my way how about theft when we steal something, we're tempted to steal something that's not ours. Out of selfishness, I want it, I deserve it, I should have it, so I steal it. How about not forgiving someone? You know, the scripture is very clear that we are to forgive, but, but if I forgive, then I'm going to have to give up the grudge. And I don't think you deserve to be forgiven, and I don't want to grant you that, so I'm just going to withhold it from you out of my own selfishness or maybe my own pride. So almost all of these temptations are focused on selfishness and pride. And as we think about our own lives and we think about temptation, we follow into the same pattern. If we do what Jesus would have done, or if Jesus would have done what we're sitting here, he's tempted to take matters into his own hands to meet his own desires on his own time. And I believe very strongly that most of the temptation that we fall into is one of these things. We're just trying to take matters into our own hands. We don't trust the word of God. We don't trust the plan of God. We don't trust the purpose of God. God, I know you're sovereign and all that, but right now in this particular case, in this situation, you're off base. So I'm gonna take matters into my own hands and I'm gonna meet my own desires. I know that I'm supposed to delight in the Lord and you'll give me the desires of my heart. I know that I'm supposed to desire what you desire, but right in this particular case, you are preoccupied with someone in Central Asia and so you don't understand what my desire is right now, so I'm gonna take it over. I'm gonna kick it because I need it. Or in my time, God, I know that you say you make all things beautiful in your time, but again, you are preoccupied somewhere else. You're watching football or something. I don't know. You're depressed because the Cowboys didn't make the Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. And so I'm just going to do this in my own time. No. No. So think about Those areas in your life where you are susceptible to saying yes to temptation. Isn't it about one of these things? You're just trying to take matters into your own hands? For your own desires? And in your own time? One of my favorite passages on sin is James chapter 1. Look at what it says in verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I don't usually sin on your behalf. (laughs) It's not usually where I roll in. I sin on my behalf. It's my desires. Then, when desire has conceived, this language is is amazing, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, because we understand how this whole conception process works, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So James takes us all the way from conception all the way to, to death. And you know, if we're not careful, the selfishness thing is really deceptive, isn't it? I mean, it just just needs to be stamped out. Like those lizards in Malaysia, you know, you just need to stamp those things out. I was reminded just this morning as I was reviewing the sermon of of one of of an example, and I'm not sure if I've ever shared this example before, but um, back when Janet and I were first married, um, so I'm probably, I'm 22. 24, 25 at this particular point, just actually started going back to church. I've not, 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 been, not been back in church that many years. And, um, and her, um, her parents were really good at giving gifts, but like, we didn't have much money. It's so, like, what do you give gifts for people who have everything already? You know I mean? They were pretty well finan- off financially, and so like, what do we give them? I didn't know what to give them. And so like, at church, I'd heard about this thing called Gospel for Asia, and you could like buy a goat, in their name, right, that, that could be given to this tribe or this, this community in India, and they could take the goat. They, some of you have seen this b- before, right? It's, it's gospel. For, and they do other things. We kind of did a similar sort of thing with San Juan this year in the Dominican, where we, we raised the money to buy the operating table and things like that. But operating tables is not the same as goats. But the idea was that for like $20, we could buy a goat in the name of my father-in-law, and just give them a little certificate that says, hey, in lieu of a present, you know, we, we got this goat for this community in India. And I just thought this was a great idea. And then <laughs> my wife looks at me and she says, well, why don't you ask them to buy a goat for you instead of giving you a gift? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, you see, because like like her dad, her father passed away several years ago, but her dad was a great gift giver. I mean, he, he was one of those guys that would never tell you what he was getting, you, but, but we would get the box, and it was a big box because we had lots of kids. So it was a big box he would send from Atlanta we lived, and we'd open it up and everything would be wrapped, and you knew that when you opened that gift on Christmas morning, it was something you would never really have thought of getting for yourself, but it was so cool. I don't want to give that up not even for the people who need to go. So I said, Oh, forget it. <laughs> forget it then. I'm not going to ask them to do that because I like the gifts. And so it's like, it was so interesting to me. I was willing to spend their money uh, or spend my money for them on a gift, but I wasn't willing to give up my own. And, and just an example of, of, for me anyway, how selfishness kind of creeps up. And Satan takes advantage of that in temptation. So what's the remedy? And part of it is the word of God. I can't, I can't, I can't overemphasize to you the necessity and the importance of reading the Bible. Join us as we go through Matthew. It's not that much. It's two chapters a week. Go through us. Join the Facebook group if you want, the sermon group. you don't have to comment anything. You can at least see what other people are commenting. We got into this really good discussion this past week about the sin thing and Jesus and the temptation. But, But take in the word. If nothing else, we learn that from Jesus, Right? That's how he goes through these temptations, by quoting the word of God. But the other word, and we talked about this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, is repentance, right? And it begins with repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. Change your mind. I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I don't really understand the mystery. There's a mystery to me in repentance, And I would shared that there was a particular pattern of sin that I was struggling with, and I don't really know what happened except I think I finally came to repentance about it. And it's gone. It's not an issue for me anymore. Now, I'm not saying that arrogantly because I recognize that that it could be an issue again. But the point is, I don't struggle with it anymore. And I didn't do anything different except it seemed like it came to a point where for some reason there was some sort of of strange feeling that came over me. It's kind of like, you know what? This is no problem anymore. I've given this over to God. I changed my mind about it. And if we're stuck in a pattern, I wonder if sometimes the reason that we're stuck is that we really haven't changed our mind about it. We may be sorry if we get caught, and we may recognize the consequences, but we really still are trying to take matters into our own hands. I don't want to call you to before God, change your mind. Repent. I shared in the first service that when I was younger, I used to wrestle. Wrestling was really big here in Mifflinburg, in the in the mid-70s and the early 80s. And so there were, it was, wrestling was a big, a big deal, and so almost everybody wrestled. I wasn't any good at it. I didn't like just staring up at the ceiling all the time when I was wrestling, so I quit. <laughs> Maybe surprise you, I've always been small and skinny, and so that doesn't work very well when you're wrestling. So I didn't like it, so I quit. But one of the things they told us, and I remember this, was that to win a wrestling match, you control the head. Where the head goes, the body follows. So you control the wrestler's, the other opponent's head, and you can move that person to where you need to move them to. It's the same principle with temptation. Right? The battle is won and lost in the where, the mind. Your fingers don't click on a website that your mind hasn't already thought about. Your hands don't pick up something that doesn't belong to you that your mind hasn't already thought about it. You don't go to a place you ought not to go where your feet somehow and legs are disconnected from your brain and you just sort of end up there. It didn't work that way. So the answer begins with repentance. And here is one of the most glorious promises in all of Scripture. Can you believe that the same power that is available to Jesus is available to us? Remember the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If you know Christ as Savior, the Bible says that you are indwelt by the very same Holy Spirit. That's amazing. The power that's available, that was available to Jesus in the wilderness to resist the temptation of Satan is available to you and I if you are related to the Father through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You got the power. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Maybe some of you need to memorize that verse so that when you feel like the weight is bearing down on you in a way that you cannot escape, you can remember, no, no, that's actually not true. Repentance. What I'd like to do is offer you help, if we can help you. If I said pattern of sin and boom, something came to your mind. Just text us. Five seven zero eight three seven nine three nine three is my number. Fill out a comment card just with your name and telephone number and say, could you call me? You don't even you don't have to, I'm not looking for you to put down the sin. But maybe just having knowing that somebody else is praying for you would help you. And of course, if you want to talk about it, we're here. I want us to be delivered from the patterns of sin that so easily beset us and snare us. Jesus gives us a model. Let's use it. Let's pray. Father, I stand here and think about consequences of sin broken relationships sometimes sickness fear emptiness loneliness and I think too in my own life the blessings the activity of you that I missed out on Because of trying to do things my own way, my own time. Trying to turn stones into bread. Trying to make a show of things. Seeking kingdoms of this earth. I thank you that you are gracious to forgive. And when we repent, we change our mind. bring us to a point of freedom. And I pray that, that wherever we're at this morning, God, that you would move in our lives in a special way. And if you've moved us to reach out for help, that we would not ignore that today. That we would ask. Ask you and ask someone else. In Jesus' name, amen.